0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to 119th Psalm. If you look at verse 97, verse 97, and we've prepared two or three sections of this. There are eight verses in each section, each beginning with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet all the way through. That's what the 119th Psalm is. It's an alphabetical Psalm. And so in verse 97, we find it says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You know, God's word is to be loved. If you have a sincere love for God's Word, you know you have a lot going for you. You have a lot in your favor because you'll read it and you'll study it and you'll let it speak to you. You'll let it be your uh, rule of faith and practice. And you really, as we say nowadays, you have it all together. You have what you need. The Bible says, Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So if we have God's Word and we love God's Word, in fact, you'll find... That it says in verse uh, 113, let me give you three more places, if you have 119 open, Psalm 119. Look at verse 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. And then verse 159 says this, consider how I love thy precepts. And then verse 167 says, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Four different places of our love for God's Word. Now, back in our Psalm 119, verse 97, hold your place there, and we'll just go right on down the verses and hold your place on each verse because we'll have something to say about each verse. It says in verse ninety seven, "Oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. God's Word is to be thought of constantly. The Bible says in the very first Psalm, In His law doth He meditate day and night. In other words, the blessed man, it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know, there should be scripture on our minds constantly uh, as we at work or play or whatever. The, the word of God should permeate our thoughts and in our actions and dealings with at home and, and in society and in, in the public. If we'll let God's Word be our guide, we'll do the right thing. But if we fail to do that, so uh, we'll do the wrong thing. It says, it is my meditation all the day. And Psalm 1 says, I meditate day and night. It's to be thought of constantly. Uh, someone says, well, I hate to be so bound up in thinking one thing. But you're not thinking one thing when you're thinking God's Word. You're thinking all the good things and all the things that pertain to life and godliness. You see, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that means mature, grow up as a Christian, truly furnished unto all good works. So if there's that kind of information in the Word of God, certainly then we need to let it have a bearing upon all that we do in life, day in and day out. It says in verse um, 98, uh, Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. God's word gives wisdom greater than the world has to offer. Wiser, look. It says, through thy commandments, thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. They, that is, his commandments, are ever with me. The word of God is ever with us to make us wise. The Bible says the world by wisdom knew not God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And it says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It says after the wisdom of this world, the world by wisdom knew not God. So it's wiser than our enemies. It's wiser than those that oppose the word of God. You find a lot of opposition to the word of God, but you find nothing that will give you the understanding that you need other than the word of God. Don't you to look at verse 99. Look right on down, verse 99. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. You know, God's anointing is our greatest teacher. John says, We need not, you need not, he speaks to God's children, that any man teach you, but that unction, the teaching, you have the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. Now, that does not mean that you do not need human teachers and instrumentality, but it does mean that. That greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit. And He teaches through God's servants and God's preachers and God's teachers. And he also teaches you through your reading and studying of the Word of God. And he teaches you. And unless the Holy Spirit confirms something to your very heart and soul, you're being being taught very little. That's where the teaching comes from comes from. It's when you hear God's word and the Holy Spirit says, Here's God's word, here's the truth, here's what I can accept. And it it kind of underlines everything that you read and study in God's Word. Gives you understanding of it. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And by the way, if you'll meditate in God's testimonies, when you have something that's taught to you wrong, you'll begin to detect it right away. I don't have to go to you and say, Now, look, that statement's wrong. You'll know it's wrong if you take God's Word and the Holy Spirit's teaching you it'll just underline in your mind. Well, that's not a very good statement, regardless of what preacher preached it. You know, the Bible says that the Berean Christians were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things that Paul preached, Paul the Apostle, one chosen of God, the Apostle to the Gentiles, one that caught up to the third heaven and heard words unspeakable or unlawful for a man to utter, and they searched to find out if he was telling the truth. How much more do we need to search in this day and hour when we have so many uh, ministers across the land that are speaking every kind of doctrine in the world? Every wind of doctrine but a slight of men whereby they lie lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4 verse 14. And it says, Be not children anymore tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, we're to grow up as Christians and make up our minds what we believe and what we stand for. We really are. We start growing up. Now, I know we have babes in Christ, but babes can grow too. Babies can grow. They do grow. And they don't remain babies forever. These young people, these children, these boys and girls, the best thing they can do is hear the Word of God and grow up and be more mature as Christians. And uh, many of them are capable of understanding. I was uh, thrilled to hear Julie's grandchildren come home the other night and says, Grandma, we're going to tell you what all we heard down there. You know, little kids, they knew what was preached. They go home and they tell Grandma. They tell Mama what all they heard. Well, you know, they're capable of... We, we've got this little old kind of flimsy idea that kids have to be taught in a kind of a kindergarten fashion that, you know, they're not capable of understanding this adult language. Some of them must understand more adult language than some adults do. So don't sell them short. Just teach them the Word of God. If they can read and write, if they understand English, they know uh, where, uh, how, and why, well, they can understand what it's all about. So don't slight the children. Let them grow up with the Word of God and they'll be uh, well-grounded in the Word of God. And some of them more so in a, in a very early age than, than some people are in a, that are elderly. So teach the Word of God. It says uh, in verse 100, it says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. How did he understand more than the ancients? God's Word is more, more reliable than the ancient philosophers. He says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. A keeping of God's Word. You see, there's more to it than just hearing it. He says, because I keep thy precepts. The Word of God is not just for our ears, it's for our life. Because I keep thy precepts. It doesn't do you any good just to hear it and not do anything in response. James says a man that hears the perfect law of liberty. Or looks into the perfect mirror of the law of liberty. The word of God. And goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He says be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. If you go to the mirror. And you look in, you have a smudge over here and a spot here, and you say, "Well, I need to wash my face." And your hands are dirty. You say, "Well, I better wash face and hands." But you say, "Well, never mind. When I leave the mirror, it'll all be gone." It won't happen that way. You better do the washing there, hadn't you? And the same way with the Word of God. When you look into the perfect law of liberty, which is symbolical of a mirror of God's Word, it's used to typify or or the word uh, the. Mirror is used to symbolize the Word of God. And when you look into the perfect law of liberty and you go your way, do you forget what manner of man you were? If the Bible has revealed our sin and revealed our spots and our blemishes, do we go our way and forget all about it? Well, if we do, then it hasn't profited us much. So we need to to realize the keeping of it. Because I keep thy precepts. Look at verse 101 now. I have refrained my feet. Look at this. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. See, the bottom line on every one of these verses is the word of God. Look back now. We'll come back down to 101, but look back at verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Look at verse 98. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they, the commandments, are everywhere with me. Look at verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. See, the bottom line is the word of God. Testimony, statutes, commandments. Look at verse 100. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. Precepts are the word of God. I have verse 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. You see, if we do not yield our life to God, we're not very much keeping the word. Let me read a verse for you in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus said this, And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do we call him Lord if we are not obedient to his word? And do not the things which I say. If we call him Lord, we need to be obedient to his word. And then back, hold your place in the psalm. So what we're saying is that God's word in 101, verse 101 Hold your place there. Psalm 119, verse 101. God's Word requires a yielded life. And the next thing, next verse, God's Word calls for steadfastness. I have not departed from thy judgment. This is to be steadfast. For thou hast taught me. We've been taught to have a steadfast life. I have not departed. You see, people depart from God's Word on every side. Daniel It says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to take the king's meat or the wine which he drank, lest he defile himself under the situation. We can go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 and study it out. But what I'm saying is he was steadfast, wasn't he? He purposed in his heart. Do you ever make up your mind to do something and to stand for it? That's what you ought to do. You know, a lot of people, even if you happen to be wrong on a few things, they will admire you at least for taking a stand. I just hate to see people wishy-washy. One day they're hot and the next cold. One day they're on one side. The next day they're on the other side. I like to see people that know what they believe, stand for that. And you know, I'd rather make a few mistakes and, and at least stand for something. And I think that the individual should be that way. The church should be that way. We know what this church stands for. We stand for the doctrines of grace, the fundamentals of the faith. We should carry out the Great Commission to the best of our ability. We should do all that the Word says the threefold plan of the commission is to win souls and to teach those, uh, to baptize them and to teach them, isn't it? To win them, to baptize them, and to teach them. And it's not just the job of the preacher, it's the job of every one of us in the church, every Christian. And when we work together to do that, the, the Lord will bless it, and He has blessed it, and we will continue to. And I'm not saying we do all what we ought to do either. We We all fall far short of what we need to do. But if every one of us would do something and do a little, the first thing you know, it would amount to something. I used to work for a fellow up here in Rio building houses out in the country club Edition. I won't call his name or anything, but he figured that to build a house, and sometimes it's not so good to have too many guys bumping into each other. But he thought all you had to do is like you was hoeing another row of cotton. If you, had to, if you got that house up, if you had five guys there, if you had uh, ten guys there, they'd get it up quicker. Well, sometimes they were just running over each other. Let's don't get in each other's way, but let's do do the job, huh? Mm-hmm. But he thought that all you had to do is just put on another, hand, another man with another hole in his hand. And that, that, that may work down there in the farm and, uh, and if you've got plenty of rows of cotton to hoe or something. But it doesn't work that much in building a house because sometimes you have to wait for the next move to be <laughs> taken. And some of you that have done that know what I'm talking about. But at least we ought to do something. Do our part, shouldn't we? Alright? And then the next thing I want you to notice in verse uh, 103. It says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste! Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth! God's word is sweeter than honey. God's word is food to the soul. Uh, Job says, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job of old said that. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. Psalm 19 and verse 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. In Isaiah 15, verse 16, Jeremiah said, I mean, I I said Isaiah. In Jeremiah 15, verse 16, Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. And... uh, So, if we'll take the Word of God and feed upon it, all of these words that we've given you show that it's food to our soul and it's sweet to our taste. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And when we find God's Word sweet to us, remember, Peter said, Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And then Paul said in the book of Hebrews, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. It says, For strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the strong meat of the word is what we need to be getting into as more mature Christians. So, look at the next verse. Verse 104 through thy precepts i get understanding therefore i hate every false way you see what god's word does god's word produces an abhorrence for falsity we hate every false way because if we study god's word it'll show you it'll show us what is true and what is false what is to be uh, acceptable and what is not you know there's a negative side to everything isn't there someone said well i don't like negatives well you know if you don't have You never have a positive without having a negative. Did you know that? You go out there on the battery on your car, and what you got? Both of them. You better hook them up right too, or you're in trouble. See, that thing won't run backwards. (laughs) If it does, it'll cause you lots of grief. But anyway, the same thing, there's a light and darkness. There's a good and bad. There's uh, the evil powers, and there's good powers. There's the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Satan. By the way, in the Bible, did you know... That there's only one word for spirit. And it includes? It includes the Holy Spirit. It's pneuma. And it includes the Holy Spirit. It includes uh, the evil spirit. It includes man's spirit. There's only one word. And you have to keep it in the context to understand what kind of spirit you're talking about. Only one word. In the whole Bible. And so, you better uh, understand the context of Scripture. A lot of people take Scriptures out of, completely out of its context heard someone trying to justify uh, what they're doing out here some of these places and burning bodies and putting them in little cubicles in the churches. Two of them are already doing that because they're running out of space as if that's biblical, and it's not. And I heard someone say, well, you know the Bible says ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It doesn't say any such thing. Did you know that? Well, say, I've heard that all my life. Well, go check it out and find out. See if it says that doesn't say that. And all the way through the Bible, burial has to do with putting a person in in the ground. Bury them in the ground. Oh, they had other caves in various other ways, but it was a burial. It wasn't burning them up and throwing their ashes around. Of course, I know that's acceptable in some circles, but Christian burial and biblical burial. Abraham bought a field, a burial field, a burial place for he and all of his family, and they were buried there through one generation after the other. Jesus was on the way to the burial when the young man was raised. He was in a coffin. Uh, Lazarus was buried. You know, so you better take what God's Word says instead of what some man comes up with. And every once in a while you'll find somebody that tells you, oh, yeah, well, you know what the Bible says. Well, if you know what the Bible says, you better find out what the Bible says before you start saying the Bible says. And uh, check it out. All right, let's get to this. The next word is in verse 105. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now then, if we're walking in a sin-darkened world, think of this for a moment. Verse 105 now. If we're walking in a dark world, we need a light. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need God's light to find our way in this dark world. You know, the reason so many people have lost their way, they don't have any light. Because the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. And that means not only is it wicked, but it lies in the hands of the wicked one. And and his is the kingdom of darkness, isn't it? And his darkness uh, covers the wickedness of this world. And so in order for us to find our way in a sin-darkened world and a Satan-darkened world, we need to see the light of God. It doesn't mean we don't have a light and we have all the lights needed. To find our way if we will look into God's Word. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then verse 106. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. A strong resolution to do God's will. Do you have a strong resolution to do what God wants you to do? Are you resolved? You know, we sing a song. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. We need to have a strong desire, a strong resolution. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 4, it says this, Better is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. We need to make our vows, but we need to also keep our vows to God. I have sworn, it says, and I will perform it, and that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Look at three things in that verse. 106, I have sworn... I will perform it, I'm going to do it, that will I, That I will keep thy righteous judgment. I will keep. Sworn, perform, and keep. Verse 107, look at this one. Verse 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. He needs a constant renewal of spiritual life. Remember, Paul says, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We need a constant renewal of our spiritual life. Paul said in the book of Ephesians that God, that He would grant unto you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened, listen, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. You know, we think the outward man needs strength. It does. We need physical strength to carry on doing the things that we need to do. But you also have to have spiritual strength. And it says that He would grant us. So it's by grace, isn't it? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So God knows where we need the strength. Most of us have enough strength to get around and do things. And we can improve on that. But on the other hand, we need especially spiritual strength too. And that spiritual strength comes from what? From God's word. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. God's word is able to give us this spiritual strength. Look at verse 108. It says, Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. Accept the freewill offerings. A will to praise the Lord. Praise is like giving. It must come from the heart. It says that we should offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Hebrews 13, verse 15. That we should offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. The fruit of our lips is called a sacrifice. And then it goes on to say, But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Sacrifices. If you want to turn that, let me give you that right quick. Hebrews 13. And verse 15, it says, "...by Him therefore will let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his, to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased." Now then, there are three sacrifices in the New Testament that we need to think about. Romans 12, verse 1, "...I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice." So the first thing we do is present ourselves. And then here, 15, Hebrews 13:15, we present our thanks, our praise. And thirdly, we present our possessions. to do good and communicate, forget not. Communication means giving. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God wants us to give ourselves, to give our thanks and to give uh, of what we have. And God says he's pleased with that. These are the New Testament sacrifices for the Christian. Three things. Someone says, well, well let's put it this way our persons, our praises, and our purses. Persons, praises, and purses. And if we'll do that, God's going to take care of the blessings. I'll guarantee you. Because the blessings will be yours. Uh, it says in the verse we gave you in Romans 12, verse 1. To present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And it says further, now look, there's a negative side. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. See, don't be this, but be this. Be not this, but be something else. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your minds. It doesn't say by a renewed mind but by the renewing of your minds. Our inward man is renewed day by day. So it's a constant process. It's not just one time you come to the Lord and my mind is renewed and I'll never have to fool with it anymore. No. By the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so it's a constant process of renewing daily our minds. You see, living a Christian life is not just a one-time thing. You're saved one day by grace through faith. Say that's all I was baptized to join the church now and go out here and do anything, live anyway. <laughs> that's not it, friend. More to it than that. You need to be taught. First you need to follow the Lord in baptism. Then you need to be taught God's word. You need to be in the house of God. You need to be constantly taught what we're teaching you tonight. The word of God should be to you the the number one priority after you're a Christian. First of all, salvation. And then once you become a Christian, a child of God, then the Word of God and obedience to it and doing what it says, doing what it says not to do and doing what it says to do, should be your number one priority. And if you put that that way, your life will be blessed. If you get things, the cart before the horse, and, or you get the things in the reverse, it will not be blessed. And that's what some people have done. And so don't get it in the reverse. Put it in... Jesus said, seek ye first... Listen... Someone says, well, I've got to have these provisions for my family. I've got to have this. All of us do. I mean, does anyone not have to have domestic, economical, physical needs supplied? I don't know of anyone that doesn't need those. But Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things, and he's speaking of those very things you're worried about, shall be added unto you. You see, they'll they'll fall in proper order. But it's up to you to get things right uh, first, and then he'll take care of the others. And He will bless you and you're tempted to, to provide those other things. He will make sure that you prosper. The Bible says that uh, the man that obeys God's Word, He told Joshua, God told Joshua after the death of Moses, He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now if you'll obey the law. He says that if you'll walk therein and meditate therein day and night and depart not from it, the right hand or the left, whether, wherever you go, whatsoever thou doest shall prosper. He'll make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. God will bless you if you'll be obedient to Him. Obedience is one of the best things you can give God. It's to just say, we sing a song, Trust and Obey. That's faith. Faith is trust, isn't it? Faith and then obey. Alright, let's look at this again. Uh, verse uh, 8, was it we was dealing with? 108. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth. That's free will offering, see. Uh, and then it says, and teach me thy judgments. See, a desire to be taught is associated with our free will offerings. We we freely give and we freely receive. And God gives us the instructions. Look at 109. It says, My soul is continually in my hand. Well, if it's in my hand, it's in trouble. Right? We must realize we're in constant danger. Yet do I not forget thy law? We need God's word to help us. Verse 110. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. You see, we need uh, to realize that we must avoid the devil's traps to destroy us. The wicked have laid a snare for me. We're not ignorant of his devices. The Bible says, Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look at verse 111. 111 quickly. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. We must value our spiritual inheritance. The Bible says we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. And he says, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. Do we realize that a heritage now is God's Word? Testimonies, Testimonies, statutes, judgments, commandments, all these refer to God's Word. The law, all of it in this chapter refer to God's Word. And he says, Thy testimonies have I taken uh, as an heritage. They're like an inheritance. Look here, do you take this Bible and say, here's my inheritance. God has given me an inheritance and I have it in my possession right now. So I want to take care of this inheritance. Thy testimonies have I taken as inheritance for they are the rejoicing of my heart. We need to realize that our spiritual uh, rejoicing comes. You know, uh, the heart must be directed toward the Lord in his word. In, in verse 112, it's closely associated with that. You have the word heart again. In verse 111, they are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 112 says, I have inclined mine heart. The heart must be directed toward the Lord and His Word. I have inclined mine heart to perform my statutes alway, even unto the end. Is your heart inclined to perform God's Word and to obey God's Word even unto the end? Well, there's a lot in that statement. That could make a whole sermon, couldn't it? I have inclined mine heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes. I'm going to do what it says, and I'm going to do it always, even unto the end. doesn't make any difference how a person might start out if he doesn't finish right. You can have the best start in the world and then not finish right. We need to finish as well as start. A lot of a lot of people think that they can just start right and then they'll coast on to the finish line. Not so. There may be someone get ahead of you down the way. Maybe someone going the straight course. You may be over here weaving back and forth. But go God's course and God's way, and you'll reach the reach the finish line. I want you to notice uh, the next section. We'll try to cover it quickly. What to love and what to hate. What to love and what to hate. Verses one nine. Uh, verses 113 to 120. The very next section, there's eight, eight verses here. First of all, we should hate vanity, philosophy, and vain deceit. It says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. We have that word again, thy law do I love. You see, if you love God's law, you hate what's false, don't you? I hate vain thoughts, vanity. Remember Ecclesiastes, he's uh, the preacher, thus saith the preacher, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He says, I've seen all the works of men under the sun, how one does this and one does that and the other. He says, I've I've found out that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You'd think the race would be to the swift, wouldn't you? Well, sure, he'd run faster. And, and the battle to the strong, you think, well, sure, the, the the strong man's going to win the battle. Not necessarily so. He says, "I've seen that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance happeneth to them all. There may be something to keep the strong from winning the battle. There may some uh, something keep the the fast man, the the swift, from winning the race. But if you keep God's word, you're going to be on the winning side, whatever happens. Doesn't make any difference. You're going to be the winner. So we hate. Uh, He says, I hate uh, vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Look at verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. You see, always at the end of these statements is the word, the law, the commandments. We say this is the bottom line. Look at the bottom line of every one of these verses. Look at the bottom line. What is it? The word of God in one form or fashion. That's the bottom line. Whatever happens in the first part of the verse, the bottom line is the Word of God. And if you study the whole 119th Psalm, it's that way. Almost uh, without exception. So when you want to get to the bottom line, say, what does God's Word say? That's the bottom line. What does it teach? How am I to live? Well, it, it tells me in the Word. I'll go for that. Because that's where I'm going to find it. Do we love God's truth? We certainly should. And then the Christian's refuge in verse 114, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. The Christian's refuge is Christ. The Bible says, Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Christ the forerunner has entered, and we have fled for refuge. Hebrews chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 32. Let me read this for you. Isaiah 32 verse 1 and 2. I'll read both verses. These are two good verses. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. Verse 2 now. And a man shall be as in hiding place. That man is Christ. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, a cupboard from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, and as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And it points to that man, Christ Jesus. If you want to find a hiding place, you find it in, in Jesus. God told Moses, He says, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. That when my glory passes by, my holiness, my glory will not destroy you, but you're going to be hidden in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand. The cleft cleft of the rock for you and I is Christ, and we're hidden in Christ from the we're hidden in Christ from the onslaughts of Satan. We're hidden in Christ from the holiness of a holy God, from the justice of a holy God. He is a hiding place from God's wrath. He's a hiding place. Remember Noah. Was sheltered in the ark is a picture of Christ. Three, th- three arcs in Scripture. Listen, the ark uh, of Noah, and to be in that ark was to be sheltered from the judgment upon this world, the judgment of God. The second one, the ark of bulrushes. Moses was hidden in the ark of bulrushes, and remember from the onslaughts of the of Satan, onslaughts of Satan, and then the third one was the ark of the testimony. And what was in the Ark of the Testimony? The Word of God. The commandments. Three things that can harm us. The judgment of God, and we're sheltered in Christ. The onslaughts of Satan, and we're sheltered in Christ. The condemnation of the law, and we've kept the law perfectly in Christ. All three of these could condemn us and destroy us. But Christ is pictured in the Ark of Noah, and in the Ark of Bullrushes, and in the Ark of the Testimony. And so anything that can harm us, we can find a hiding place in Jesus Christ. Now, we'll hurry quickly. In verse 115, it says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Listen, the basis uh, of the Christian hope is the Lord. But also, uh, we find here that we should not tolerate evil company. Depart from me, ye evildoers. You see, there is such a thing as Christian separation. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Some people don't want you to keep the commandments of God. They're not going the same way and doing the same things you're doing. And people are naive to think that you can just get out in the world and just live to suit any and everybody and still be living a Christian life. Doesn't mean you shouldn't witness to, to a person that's unsaved. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be compassionate. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners in order to witness to them. But on the other hand, he didn't do what publicans and sinners did, did he? The Bible says he was holy, harmless, uh, made higher than the heavens, undefiled, made higher than the heavens in the book of Hebrews. Separate from sinners, it says, concerning Christ. You read it in Hebrews. But we find that there's such a thing as... Uh, Departure from evildoers. In other words, you don't go and rub shoulders and do the same things with people that are not living a Christian life, or else you become like them. And that's what where many of our young people and I say this for our young people here today: don't go along with those people that do other all kinds of bad things. If they steal, or if they do drugs, or if they do alcohol, or if they do uh, unholy things in their lives, don't go along with them. Don't do those things. You say, well, how can I keep from it? Just, just say no. Just say, no, I'm not going to live that kind of life because I want God's blessings on my life. I want to live a Christian life. You say, well, they won't like me. Well, so what? Someone else will like you that likes the same things of God. I'd rather have Christian friends than a whole bunch of people that don't believe like I do or don't want to do the right kind of thing. And don't ever think that you won't be contaminated by people uh, that lead you in the wrong way. You'll be influenced by them. You'll say, well, they do it. What difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. If you want God's blessings, you do the right thing. And you follow God's Word and you'll be blessed. Alright, look, let's go on down quickly. I'll try to hurry. It says in verse uh, uh, 116, Uphold me according to thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Uphold me. We need divine aid at all times, do we not? If God doesn't hold us up, we shall not be held up. Verse 117, hold thou me up. Look at that. Verse 16, 116 says, uphold me. Verse 117 says, hold thou me up and I shall be safe. <clears throat> Our steadfastness depends upon the Lord, doesn't it? And I will have respect unto thy statutes constantly, uh, continually. Continually. Do we obey God's Word continually? Verse 118, Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. The certain doom of wicked. the wicked helps us to love God's Word. God is going to trod down and judge all those that err from His statutes. Their deceit is falsehood. And then it says, verse 119, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. We even love God for His righteous judgment. And then the last verse, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I'm afraid of thy judgments. We know the terror of the Lord produces a godly fear. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee. We stand in awe in God's presence. And I'm afraid of thy judgments. When people, The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you can develop a reverence